You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Score! Johnny Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. Two on oh, Riley Rostovic. Riley stayed on side. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman right to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped him in the corner of the ring. All right, here we go. Episode 59 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. A reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, the top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for gold, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for my listeners. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to win $100 in free credits. If America wins any medal in that event, that's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 100 to 1 odds on, on the offer like this doesn't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all the action. I love using DraftKings. It's easy to navigate has plenty of instructions for new bettors and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have all been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. What do we want you to do? Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. If America wins a medal, that's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So, a ton has happened since the last time we chatted. NHL draft, uh, the free agent frenzy, and the trades are just buzzing around all over the place now that the transaction ban has been lifted allowing seattle to be the only team 
to make any transactions prior to their selection draft. And I just want to buzz through. I'm not going to buzz through the whole first round of picks or anything. We're just going to highlight the Maple Leafs picks and then we'll get into Montreal's selection in the first round, which has been very polarizing. So the Leafs, not a ton of draft picks this year. They've obviously been shipping out picks. The first rounder, notably for Nick Foligno, uh, they shipped out a number of additional picks prior to the trade deadline this year. So basically, they end up with three. Uh, their earliest pick, the second round, 57th overall, uh, they take a left winger, Matthew Nyes of the Tri-City Storm, the USHL. Uh, this kid's born in Phoenix, a pretty sizable winger, 6'2", shoots left. Uh, it seems like he plays a physical game, has a little bit of offensive upside. Uh, from the highlights that I've seen, he really can bury the puck, or he has a pretty good shot. He can bury the puck from certain areas in the offensive zone. Um, the size is what stands out to me, though. 6'2", 210. You figure that he's going to continue to fill out uh, 46 points this year in 47 games. So, decent stat line as well. This is a good pick that John Lilly, the Toronto head scout, said that they valued his game based off his great second half post-bout with COVID. So, a really nice pick at 57, and it'll be interesting to see how this player develops. Uh, the Leafs' second pick, fifth round, so a little bit later in the draft, uh, they take Ty Voigt. So this is more of an on-brand pick for the Leafs. The kid's coming in at 5'9", 150, so a little bit undersized. We know that Kyle Dubas isn't afraid to take an undersized player. Uh, right-handed shot. This guy basically had 28 points in 49 games played for the Sarnia Sting. Without there being an OHL season at the beginning of this year, this player, Voigt, uh, really was focusing on his off-ice conditioning. So despite his lack of size, he was really putting in work to beef up a little bit and become a little bit steadier on his skates. He says that he tries to model his game after Johnny Goudreau, who is obviously another undersized forward who has been very productive at the NHL level. So if he can become half the player that Goudreau is, I feel like the Maple Leafs would be happy with this pick. This is kind of a, a high-risk, high-reward pick for the Leafs. He could, he could turn out to be an excellent offensive player. Or he could turn out to be one of those players that can't crack the league because of his size. We know that Toronto in particular has invested in these smaller players with higher talent upside. So this is basically just going to be the waiting game. But certainly a longer a longer play here for Voigt to see if he's going to be able to crack the AHL lineup. He wouldn't be ready for quite some time. In the sixth round, the Leafs had the 185th pick overall. And we'll try not to butcher this name. Vyacheslav Peksa, so a goaltender out of Russia, 6'2", 163, uh, left-handed catch. This is basically a player that nobody else has really heard of. He wasn't on anybody's board, really. This goaltender is supposed to be considered pretty athletic for the size, according to Terry Koshan's article in the Toronto Sun. Basically, the Leafs head goalie scout, John Elkin, liked this guy a lot. He's kind of, again, a flyer. Again, goaltenders that are taken in the late rounds of the draft, always just a random chance. This is a sixth-round pick. If he develops into a great goaltender, fine. I wouldn't have a terrible amount of skin in the game for this player based off of 
the fact that nobody's ever heard of him before. So good size will take up a fair amount of the net and remains to be seen if he can continue to develop and contribute to this group. We also know that goaltenders often take the longest to progress and advance their game to be able to play at the NHL level. So again, a late round pick that isn't going to be helping anytime soon, but maybe you could see him contributing three, four, five years down the line in a backup position, or we'll see him with the Marlies remains to be seen. So the most controversial pick of this draft was made by the Montreal Canadiens and Mark Bergevin as in the first round, they take Logan Mayu. So Logan Mayu, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners are familiar with, made headlines for the wrong reasons prior to this draft because he engaged in a sexual act with a consensual sexual act with a young woman in Sweden, took a picture of the act, and then distributed the picture among his teammates without this person's permission. Prior to the draft, despite there being no way that he can actually do this, Mayu came out and requested that NHL teams not select him because he felt that his actions were not representative of someone who deserved to be selected in the draft and that he would prefer to do some healing, do some self-work, and you know, put the career on the side for now. Now, this didn't deter Bergevin and the Canadiens from selecting Mayu. They end up going out and selecting him in the first round with the 31st overall pick. Backlash was fast and swift. And it should be. I mean, we keep saying hockey is for everybody and we're trying to grow the game and make it um, every, every person acceptable and like engage different fan bases than have been we've been able to engage in the past to grow the game and make it a more international sensation. Yet, when push comes to shove, organizations continuously put emphasis on players that can help their organization over the character that the players exemplify. And regardless of what the Canadians and Mark Bergevin come out and say now, which, by the way, if you have to release a press release or a statement right after you draft a player, you probably shouldn't have drafted that player. I think is a pretty safe rule of thumb for this. This was a massive flub for the Canadians. And you know what? Like, Mayu on the ice, he's a first-round talent. He's a big, right-handed shot defenseman who is, was projected to really be able to influence and help an NHL roster in the short term. But to take this player at this time with the current political climate in the first round, I, I, I just don't understand it. And it calls into question what the Canadians as an organization value more than success on the ice. Because when you look at the person that this, that the, the people that are affected by this, the person's family, the victim's family, the victim herself, what message does this send to them? 
that that doesn't matter, that they don't matter, that what happened between them is not as important as the products that the Montreal Canadiens are putting on the ice. They could say that they want to help him with his rehabilitation efforts and that they want him to be, that he made a mistake and that he's a young kid and they want him to grow. And, you know, I'm not necessarily on board all the time for the cancel culture, you know, the cancel culture, uh, I guess, fad or the fact that, you know, somebody makes a mistake and then they should never be forgiven for that mistake. I just don't think at this time, after the player's request and given what the league is trying to do in the current political climate, that this was a prudent choice for the Montreal Canadiens. I think it goes against everything the league is trying to demonstrate. It's selfish, it's self-serving. And I think that Mark Bergevin and the Montreal Canadiens ought to be ashamed of themselves for this draft pick. I'm disgusted by the organization. And we try to talk pretty objectively on this podcast. Obviously, it's a Leaf-based podcast, so we understand the healthy rivalry. But this is just an unacceptable draft pick to me. Let's go to Around the League. All right, so... Since we last chatted the expansion draft, there's been a litany of free agent signings. So I'm going to try to run through the majority of them to sort of shape what the NHL landscape is going to look with. Uh, first and foremost, the Oilers re-signed Mike Smith. So two-year extension for Smith. Maybe not foremost, I shouldn't say. But two-year contract extension for him. He was a very serviceable netminder for the Oilers last season. Really a resurgence in his career. Whether he'll be able to duplicate that as he's getting pretty long in the tooth. I believe the goaltender is 37, 38 years old. So, you know, probably not too much left in the tank there. Relatively low AAV at 2.2 million. So low risk for Ken Holland as far as the price point's concerned. And they end up locking up their goaltender for the next short term and will look for other options moving forward as they try to get younger at that position. The Rangers signed Barclay Goudreau. This was rumored basically as soon as the the Lightning won the cup that he, this player was linked to this team. Uh, six years, $3.6 million, so nice payday for Goudreau. Also not a bad franchise to be moving into if you want to be in the limelight, going to play at Madison Square Garden, get to live in Manhattan. Whether you like what the organization stands for or not, it's an original six franchise, and the fan base is second to few in the league, so... Nice signing for Goudreau as he gets the bag and gets some security with a six-year contract. Uh, the Kraken trade Tyler Picklick to the Flames. Um, basically, Seattle reserves or receives the fourth-round pick in 2022. Arizona also retaining some of the cap on that deal, so a little bit of a cheaper cap hit for Calgary. D-man Alec Martinez, uh, he'll be looking to re-sign with Vegas, but as cited prior to this, Vegas is really up against it in the cap, so it's going to be difficult for them to re-sign some of these free agents. And Martinez will clearly demand more on the open market than Vegas is able to pay him, so 
We'll keep an eye on that situation. The Flyers trade Shane Gossespierre to the Coyotes. Basically, the Coyotes have just started reloading this year. And, you know, I respect the organization for doing that. There's a number of other picks that they've dealt with trading into a number of draft picks in the future, trading into uh, some contracts that won't be so fortuitous for them in the short term, but will come off the books in a couple of years. And this is what you have to do. You have to bring in draft capital, bring in younger players and offload some of your big contracts and bring in other people's problem contracts to be competitive. So the Coyotes have pressed reset. Um, Gossas Bear on the way to Arizona. The Coyotes going to get a second round and a seventh round pick, both in 2022. The Flyers actually don't take anything back from Arizona. They just get the cap relief from getting Gossas Spare off the books. Meanwhile, Stevie Y still uh, wearing his fleecing jacket. He gets Alex Nedeljkovic, the standout goaltender from the Carolina Hurricanes. I was really surprised to see the Canes ship this guy out of town. As he was one of the finalists in the Calder vote this year. So maybe they just think it was a drop in the bucket and there's things that they didn't like about Nedeljkovic and the organization. But basically... Detroit gets a young goaltender with a ton of upside. They send uh, Jonathan Bernier or the rights to Jonathan Bernier in the 2021 third round pick out. That was this. This one just doesn't seem to make sense to me. I'm not sure why Carolina decided that they were going to move such a young goaltender with high upside, but they decide to do it. And Stevie Y continues to impress with his managerial prowess after putting together the core of that Tampa Bay Lightning team that's now won back-to-back championships and starting the rebuild in Detroit. The Rangers buy out defenseman Tony D'Angelo. This was not really a surprise. Uh, D'Angelo reportedly, at the end of the season, they're like, they were having issues in the locker room with this guy all year. They asked him if he wanted to out of his contract basically prior to the trade deadline so they could go to any competitor, but D'Angelo... I think smartly decided that he was going to stay under contract and wait for the buyout because there was no guaranteed money if he broke his contract with the New York Rangers becoming a UFA prior to the deadline. So now D'Angelo will be free to sign wherever he'd like or with whoever will take him. This guy's been an issue off the ice. Some of his perspectives on uh, certain issues are questionable, we'll say. Believe he, uh, he was the guy, <laughs> him and his, uh, I forget which teammate it was, but they were about to fire up a podcast while in New York saying that was going to push the limits of what would be politically correct. It'll be interesting to see which GMs are interested in bringing this guy in. As he's been another noted player who can be tenuous at best when it comes to relationship with the media and inside the locker room. Taylor Hall re-signs with the Bruins, four years, six million. This wasn't a surprise. Um, we basically knew that Hall felt reinvigorated playing in Boston. After his bouts the last couple of years, I mean, didn't work out for him in Arizona. Jersey was a rebuilding team. He had that one year where he went on to win the MVP of the league, dragging them into the playoffs. Then he ends up in Arizona. Doesn't really work out there. Signs a one-year in Buffalo. Doesn't work out there. And then finds a home alongside David Krejci in Boston. So 
probably under market value for this player, but true to form and falling in line with what the Bruins organization has done for a long time. They get good players to sign under market value, which is why they've been able to stay competitive for so long. Uh, Zach Hyman, basically, it's a lock that he's going to sign in Edmonton. Toronto not really able to fleece Edmonton for a draft pick. There was the reports that Edmonton was interested, perhaps, in obtaining Zach Hyman's rights prior to him becoming a UFA because they could get the extra year, thus driving down the AAV. UAV, I got Call of Duty on the mind. The AAV of the contract if they had the extra year, but obviously the price that Toronto was asking was not worthwhile. So he's going to sign basically as soon as he's able to in Edmonton. The Flyers. So this one I, I don't understand, but the Flyers send their first round pick in 2021 plus Robert Hag and his 2023 second round pick to the Sabres to acquire Rasmus Ristolainen. Ristolainen, a big body defenseman, uh, can move the puck, but his analytics have been just terrible over the last couple of years. Now, you could attribute that saying that he's been playing in a poor environment in Buffalo and who have his deep partners been, and he's getting the toughest matchup on a night in, night out on a franchise that doesn't know how to play any defense and has questions, had questions in that, and all these things can be true. But to ship out, you know, a top 10 pick in a second round pick in the next couple of seasons, in addition to, you know, a depth forward to acquire this guy, I think this was an absolute fleecing by the Sabres. A fleecing by the Sabres. Sabres also is trading Sam Reinhardt to the Panthers. The Sabres received Devon Levy in a 2022 first round pick. So Reinhardt, for whatever reason, was never able to carve out a large role in Buffalo. His um, growth has kind of been stunted. We know that Joel Quinville and the Florida Panthers, what they were able to accomplish this year, they've looked much more impressive over the short term with Quinville at the helm. And they get a little bit, I'm not going to say a reclamation project, but they get a former high draft pick who has big upside. Just 25 years old, Sam Reinhardt. So still plenty of time for him to carve out a role in the top six in Florida. This is another large one and plays to our point earlier about the Arizona Coyotes. The Canucks acquire Oliver Ekman and Larson and Connor Garland from Arizona sending a haul the other way. So they send their first-round pick, which was ninth overall, Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, plus a 2022 second-round pick, 2023 seventh-round pick back to the Coyotes. Uh, the Coyotes do retain a little bit of Ekman Larson's salary, about 12%. Uh, his deal is 8.25, I believe, for the next six years. So basically, Vancouver unloads three contracts that in the short term we're going to hinder them, Erickson, Roussel, and Beagle while getting two players that are going to help them in the short term, in Ekman, Larson, and Garland, but may cause long-term, in the case of Ekman, Larson anyways, long-term cap problems for the Canucks. Now, I'm in the camp where I tend to think that Ekman, Larson, whose numbers have not been that great over the past two seasons, 
but he didn't want to be in Arizona. If you recall last year, he wanted to be traded prior to the draft. He had the no movement clause, so basically he had to pick where he was going to go. And it was noted that the Coyotes were trying to deal him, but they couldn't find a price that they want the price that they wanted for a team that Ekman Larson was willing to go to. The draft passed, and he basically made that the line in the sand saying that if you didn't trade him before the draft, then he was going to play out the year in Arizona. And true to form, that's exactly how it played out. This year, he gets shipped out to Vancouver, a team that he was willing to go to, and with a lot of young players. And they, he'll be a good mentor for a lot of the young players on this team. He should be able to help Quinn Hughes quite a bit develop into a more defensively responsible defenseman. He's been there he's done that he's worn the sea in Arizona I think this is a nice pickup for Jimmy Benning in the short term and it should help their team next season it remains to be seen if Benning has any other moves up his sleeve because he basically has 20 million bucks now tied up in Tyler Myers Nate Schmidt and OEL Benning also basically said in his availability after the trade that he'd be willing to trade Nate Schmidt for picks. So we'll see if anybody's willing to wheel and deal with the Canucks as they try to replenish some of their assets moving forward so they continue, can continue to build on their young group moving into the future. Uh, another big one, Seth Jones ends up going to Chicago. The Blue Jackets basically receive Adam Bofquist the eighth overall pick in 2018. So a top tier prospect out of Chicago. And then Chicago and Columbus basically swap picks in addition to that. Chicago gets the number 32 pick while Columbus gets the number 12 pick. A couple other late round draft picks in this trade as well. Chicago gets a bona fide top pairing D. And Columbus, again, looking to retool now. They also ship Cam Atkinson out to Philadelphia in exchange for Jakob Voracek. So the Jackets take on a little bit of a worse contract than that. The Flyers get... A player in Atkinson who has good offensive upside. The Jackets then parlaying that number 32 overall pick to the Hurricanes to get Jake Bean. I was surprised again that the Hurricanes are shipping this guy out. I think that they look at it and say, this guy was about to get a big contract, but he's basically what a lot of teams would look for in a top four defenseman. Strong skater, high skill level. Granted, leaves a little bit to be desired in the defensive zone, but strong in the puck, high offensive upside. This is a good pickup, I think, for the 32nd overall pick for Columbus. Additionally, the Avalanche lock up their big RFA, Kale McCarr, six-year extension, $9 bucks a year, again, coming in under market value for what this player is has proven to be, which is a number one defenseman in this league, arguably 
one of the top three, top five defensemen in the league. A lot of people would place his value at number one. And when you look at what the Avalanche have now, they've got, you know, Taves, Gerard, and now Makar all signed for under 20 million bucks. Pretty good core. So a lot of moves so far in the offseason. And I'm sure that everybody on the panels at TSN and Sportsnet are kicking themselves based off all the moves that have happened so far. As the free agent frenzy, which is supposed to start a couple of days from now, is already in full swing. For me, the most impressive, the most impressive moves have been from Arizona, though. Because they basically send out two seventh round picks Connor Garland, Oliver Ekman, Larson. And end up bringing in a first, six seconds, a third, two sevenths. Anton Strallman from the Florida Panthers, who I didn't uh, mention to this point. Shane Gossespierre. Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, Louis Erickson. Which you can say what you want about the contracts. They'll at least be players who can contribute at the NHL level. And they start to look like they have a real strong foundation moving into the future with a lot of draft picks and they'll be taking a lot of cap space off their books over the next couple seasons. So really shrewd management by the new team at the head of the Arizona Coyotes. And now the spotlight for the Maple Leafs. We just continue to watch and wait and see what happens. How will they address their goaltending issue? How will they address their top line winger? How will they address the third line center position or third line winger position if you want Alex Kerfoot to be that guy? Who are you looking for for to add on the third pairing defense? Will they be able to re-sign Nick Foligno? These are all stories that have been circulating. A lot of question marks for this team, and it'll be interesting to see how they're addressed over the next couple of days as the free agent frenzy starts and who's made available. I wonder if Darcy Kemper might be a target for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Arizona's selling. Kemper, young goalie, lots of upside, would love him in a tandem with Jack Campbell. What's the price point going to be for that player? the cupboards as far as the Maple Leafs are concerned. They have one of the lowest rated prospect pools in the National Hockey League. We're only able to add three players to that pool through this draft because of all the moves they've made. So be interesting to watch. Until next time, thank you for listening to episode 59 of Leafs Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network. Remember to toss us a follow on Twitter at LeafsPod, at Ken Stapon, at HockeyPodNet. We'll catch you next time.